Good morning, everybody. Great to have your company on the Big Sports Breakfast. Benway here alongside Laurie Daly and Michael Clark, taking you through the morning. And boy, oh boy, do we have some good guests. Can't wait to have a chat to everyone coming on today. Evan Priest is going to talk golf plenty on the golfing front. No doubt about that. Adam Pengilly on to talk rugby league. Hard to believe, but up at the Broncos, the two-man brawl became a five-man stacks on Overnight, I don't think there'll be too much more come of that, but a story that developed somewhat into yesterday afternoon. Adrian Bott, it feels as though the Bott Waterhouse stable have a cast of thousands when it comes to the two-year-old aspirants for those feature races. The Golden Slipper first and foremost at the front of our mind, no doubt, and they have options aplenty on that front. Jared Daffy to talk markets, and I can't wait to speak to Luke Brooks from Manly and Shane Flanagan from the Dragons as well. And I'm sorry to those that live here in Sydney, but you've got an Adelaide boy hosting the show, albeit for only a couple of days. So with that in mind, Luke Nankervis from the Adelaide Crows is going to come on a little bit later on. Mitto will give me the flick soon enough, but that's okay. He's back tomorrow anyway. Loz, how was your evening? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks, Benny. Uh, Didn't do a great deal. Uh, Watched a bit of... um Marsh Cup cricket yesterday afternoon. Yes. I, I had it on the background and I just sort of looked and all of a sudden I saw a, a batsman who I sort of haven't sort of heard a lot of just tear New South Wales apart. And he was just smoking them yesterday. A bloke by the name of Tom Rogers. He scored 196 off 142 balls at North Sydney Oval. Now, New South Wales went on and won that game. Um, and Dan Hughes scored 100, but... I don't know where the pup knows much about him, but geez, he nope. can hit a ball. Yep. Unbelievable innings. Morning, I know Zaki. North City Isles is not the biggest of grounds. Yeah, it's Kitty's ground. But they were losing wickets around him. Yeah, he played beautifully. And he it? just smashed the ball. Yeah, he, Clean he, striker. He hit the ball straight early in his mm. innings, which at North Sydney, because the ground is tiny. It's, it's like I say, Kitty's boundaries. But the key there early in your innings is to hit as straight as you can until you get used to conditions. And once you're in there... You can yeah, you can score as many runs as you like. Yeah, no uh, no total is safe batting first at North Sydney. You feel like you can chase if you had to chase five hundred. Oh, they were just like launching like yeah. nearly every ball of every. He looks over. a good player though. You're yeah. right. Um, nice and balanced. Looked pretty good early in his innings as well, defence wise. Um, yeah, it's a, that was that was a really good hundred, and then a, and a good chase from New South Wales as well. Um, Husey once again. He, Continues to score score plenty of runs for New South Wales, but yeah, it's um, as we've spoken about on here, Loz. There's there's so much talent in Australia. Mm. There's just a new name or a new face that just comes up, you know, from under 17s or under 19s and gets an opportunity and and grabs hold of it. So, yeah, another batsman that we'll be keeping an eye on that we'll probably end up playing for Australia sooner rather than later, Loz. I'll put this to you first because I think Clarkey will will know the answer. I reckon you're half a chance, especially based on the match that you watched yesterday. Mm-hmm. So the most Australian one-day domestic hundreds ever, okay? Yep. The list is topped with 20, eight clear of next best. So think of a player. In fact, the list is filled with players who probably should have played more national cricket than they did. So that's a bit of a hint. But I'll give you number one as Brad Hodge. All right. On 20. Yeah. Bevan? Bevan, we'll discuss in what two was, Sorry, what was your question? Most, f- Most Australian one-day domestic hundreds. Domestic hundreds. Now, it's relevant based on yesterday's 
game. Yeah, okay. Clearly, oh, the youngster yeah, you touched on isn't yeah, one. I see where yeah, you're going okay. with this. Number yeah. 12, Michael Klinger. So another very good one-day cricketer that... But remember with these stats, <laughs> the Australian players don't play. No. Well, I've already... Okay. I've, I've no, already no, I'm, I'm, I'm on your team. I'm right. on your team. I'm just, I'm just referencing, especially in the past 25, 30 years, like when, before, before I started. If I go back to 99 when I started, you played a lot more shield cricket yep. and domestic cricket. These days, and club cricket as well, these days... You play, if you play one game for your state a year, it's a miracle. Well, the list is definitely riddled with players who were better than one day domestic. Yeah. But they spent too much time there yeah. because they weren't in the Couldn't national the team. team. So team Brad Hodges won. Yeah. Michael Clark. So he's Michael on 20. Klinger. Michael, Michael Klinger. Klinger. Sorry, Michael Clark. <laughs> Michael Klinger is on 12. Yep. Callum Ferguson, 11. Equal third now with Daniel Hughes who I reckon is one of the most yeah. slept-on cricketers in Australia, honestly. Yeah, he's been brilliant. Figuratively, he's not literally. <laughs> but 11 centuries, so he's third on the one-day domestic all-time list. Then when you go through the highest batting average in men's Australian one-day domestic matches, your man, Michael Bevan, 61.18. Lots of not-outs, though. Genius Second on that list for players who played 10 or more is Daniel Hughes, 59.88. Yeah, the bloke report. is one of the best he's fifty over cricketers in Australia and has been for a while. Yeah, he's been Hughes is good. Hughes is good in all formats. Um, he's been consistent the last couple of years, hasn't he? Obviously, all I his career probably the last few that, years. But the last couple yeah. of years, he's just been bang, bang, bang. Yeah, well, and he's been spoken about. There's no doubt about it. But yeah, if you if you look at his performances, um, it's a little bit like Michael Nisa. You know, if if these guys got an opportunity in any format, that you, you couldn't. You couldn't disrespect that decision, like by the selectors. You'd say, "Yeah, they've earned their right." So, Husey again. I was, was I was watching him back yesterday. He, he just he's at that stage of his career. He just knows his game so well, knows what to do, knows how to win a game, knows how to set it up as an opening batsman. Um, yeah, he again. But I, th- I think that's that's been the point for Australian cricket for a long time, and that's why we have high expectations because you could pick one of. Oh, if I'm being harsh, you could pick one of five guys, but you could really pick one of ten guys to walk into, mm. certainly in one-day cricket and 2020 cricket, mm. to go play at the next level, and you wouldn't be worried about them. They, they'd be able to walk out and score runs, uh, certainly in Australian conditions. Then their challenge would be for someone like a Hughesy, okay, now we're going to go and play a one-day series in Sri Lanka or mm. in India or in England, and then you've got to be able to adapt. But, yeah, they... We've got guys making runs and taking wickets in domestic cricket that are certainly good enough to play at the next level. Given Michael Hussey didn't play a lot of test cricket until he was older. I think 33 he managed to boo Hussey. Well, as in he's not in the top four. Mm. But but Huss batted, again, if you look through that, I would imagine, is that short form hundreds or one day hundred? You said list eight, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So... Yeah, Hus- but fifty over. Yeah, fifty. Yeah, yeah. Hus batted middle order, I think, for WA as well in one day cricket. Hus would have a lot of fifty pluses. Yeah, I reckon. 
And the not outs help Michael Bevan too. So the average, uh, it's a bit unfair to say this over time, but his is probably a touch inflated to a Dan Hughes. So he's 61.18, Dan Hughes 59.88. And Steve Smith's actually third on the list of 59.03. And just on yeah. Steve Smith, uh, there's a, he's making headlines, but uh, it's none of his doing. So we've got a 15-man squad to be named for that T20 World Cup. Yep. And when you look at the list... Steve Smith might struggle to scrape in. Well, but they've picked him for they've picked him in the 2020 squad to go to New Zealand, haven't they? Yeah. So that that surprised me to be honest because mm. I think I, my mindset going on just past would be the squad you take to New Zealand to play the last two T20s before the World Cup, you would assume would be your World Cup squad or close to your World Cup squad. Mm. So I thought if they weren't going to pick him for the World Cup, he wouldn't go to New Zealand. So yeah, maybe maybe it's one of those ones that are up in the air. Um, but what I don't, what I'd hate to see, and they did this before the last World Cup. There's no point taking a Steve Smith to New Zealand if he's not going to play. No, you know what you get, and he's got enough commitments. Mate, he doesn't need to travel when he's not playing. But you know what you get as well with Smitty. You know where if he's going to play one 2020 cricket, I think he's got to open the batting now. You know, he didn't get picked up in the IPL. Um, when he's played in Australia in the BBL, he's done very well. So I, I think you know what you get with Steve Smith. So he's either in or he's, or he's not on the tour, in my opinion. I don't think you need to, mm. you know, take him to New Zealand. World Cup might be different. You might have him in the squad in case there's an injury or because he plays spin very well or if you're unsure about, you know, certain players. But to New Zealand for these two 2020s, yeah. you're better off taking Fraser McGurk, for example. And let him play, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I think it, sound, it sounds like Smitty certainly wants to be a part of that World Cup campaign. He'd be um, hard to say no to. Uh, if it was one day cricket, no brainer. Mm. He's in twenty twenty cricket. I think that's the only format right now that you know um, he's going to have to fight for his spot. Mm. Hey, Loz, we'll move on from the cricket in two ticks, but. Do you know who scored the most runs across all three formats across the Australian summer at national level? Oh, at national level? Head? Well, his three or four ducks to finish didn't help him, so he was up there, but no. Marsh. He was second. Top of the list was Warner. So for those That's who are keen to move on, yeah. just remember he's still topping the list even at this ripe old age. Hey, I did see a little bit of rugby league news and we'll touch on the headlines in two seconds across the papers across Australia. But a little bit of advice for league players who are heading over to Vegas. They've had a, a sit down, yeah. a little bit of a discussion and I guess some advice on how they should behave over there. So the headline reads from sex, drugs and alcohol to scammers NRL players looking to enjoy Las Vegas have been told they have plenty to worry about. It's it's developed from your days. There are more things to worry about now. Oh, most definitely there is. Yeah. Mm. Um, and this is a big project from the NRL so I know and understand that they don't want anything to go wrong but surely the players are well aware too of what can happen if they start to go outside the boundaries that they're allowed. So I think they'd be on a tight leash. I think there'll be security with them. I wouldn't expect to be too many um, dramas over there. Um, yeah, it, it, I, I don't think they're going to say to the guys, right, boys, out you go, you can go and do your own thing. I think it'll be all done as a group. I think if they have a beer, they'll have it together. Um, because you don't want to lock them up either. 
You want no. them to enjoy the experience. And I think there's only one team staying in Vegas the whole time. I think three teams are coming in late the day before and then going the day after. So it'll be more about that day after or that night after the game that they'll have to be very careful. Off the back of yesterday's Luke and chat and, of course, the tactics we talked with Bradbury, Mm. uh, we do have a Paralympian coming on, a former Paralympian who now has a role in coaching at the New South Wales Institute of Sport a little bit later on. So I thought today could have a little bit of an Olympic theme. Yesterday we talked Valentine's love affairs, uh, moments that you just couldn't remove from your heart and you could watch time and time again. Today, for anyone keen to text in, 0419767272, I want to talk fun facts or Olympic memories. So Olympic-themed, essentially, but anything that when you suddenly think of those rings your mind just goes to one moment. And I'm sure Bradbury will be at the forefront of many people's thoughts, but there have been so many remarkable achievements at Olympic level, and that's one that I do want to discuss. Uh, Yesterday, by the way, I I referenced a fun fact that I never actually got to, and that was in regards to the marathon time. Uh, It was two hours and 35 seconds, Mm. I mentioned. Um, So two hours and 35 seconds is two minutes 51 per kilometre for a marathon distance. What's that, level 20 on a treadmill? <laughs> on a treadmill. That's what um, it would be. Right. It might even be more than that. So, so Yeah, you imagine running level 20 oh, for 41 Ks. Well, it's essentially, I, I can't speak for everyone else out there, but five-minute pace is sort of like you you run a little bit so you can... What, level 12. So five-minute Ks are level 12. Most who run a bit, they try to run faster than five-minute pace. Yeah. And we're talking two-minute 51. I yeah, I can't speak for everyone else. Sprinting. I couldn't run it for more than 150 to 200 metres. Yeah. And they're doing it for a marathon. You're sprinting the entire way. So anyway, feats like that are things that Phenomenal. I want to discuss. And I'm sure that plenty of our listeners will have uh, thoughts that immediately spring to mind. And, and fun facts, I'd like them verified before they're sent through on the text line. <laughs> and because I don't do this job too often and I do have a habit of reading it. As I'm reading it out loud live on air. So please, uh, if you're sending fun facts, verify them first. Well, the West Tigers continue to make news and perhaps they don't want to be, but Nofaluma has come out and had a little bit of a chat. It's been described as raw and uncut and the tension with Benji certainly addressed. So the star winger opening up on his relationship with Benji Marshall. I mean, geez, if we had sit-down interviews with every aggrieved past player, honestly, it would... I hate this stuff. It's like, mate, okay, something hasn't gone your way. You're not happy. Mate, I'm sure there's a million players at the club that can tell stories about him as well. I'm sure. So, like, just this is the this is part of sport, part of business, part of life. Like, just cop it, move on. It's best for everyone not spoken. Like, and the media love this as well because now you've got one side. So what they ideally want is now they want Benji's side. How do we turn a one-day story into a one-week story, into a one-month story? Like, And Benji won't. He'll, he'll bite his tongue. He'll say nothing. He'll cop this day of criticism. It's gone tomorrow. Oh, this is the part I it does my head in because everyone's got skeletons. I'm sure it hasn't been rainbows and butterflies on both sides. You know, at the end of the day, it hasn't worked out. You've left the club. You played there for a long time. You had a lot of success there. I'm sure you got a lot of mates there. Just say nothing, move on. As record try scorer, you would like to see it end on a better note. 
but at this stage it's not there. So maybe they're best just staying quiet until it does. Hey, I, I saw a yarn on Kirtley Beale considering a, a switch from rugby to rugby league. It's 35. Loz, can we KB. get your thoughts on <laughs> I'd be a tad late. that code switch? Mm, oh, I doubt whether it would happen. Someone might be prepared to give him a go, but at 35 years of age when he hasn't played rugby league at that top level, uh, chances of him making a squad would be minimal. Um, I think Kurt would be better off to stick to rugby union mm. um, because that's a game that he's played for such a long time. Yeah, um, It's just too cutthroat. I think, I, I think if Kirtley was going to get an opportunity, it would be in the lower grades. It's not going to be NRL. I think what Kirtley is trying to say was he wants he, he, he wants to play. He, he doesn't want to finish football, rugby, league, whatever. He, he wants to play. Uh, he's obviously had some time out of the game, and he's not done yet. He doesn't want to retire. So if rugby's not going to give him a chance, then he'll find a way through league if he can. He, he just wants an opportunity. He wants to get back out onto the field. That's uh, that's how I read what Kirtley was saying. Plenty of other news across the Courier-Mail and, of course, the Sydney Morning Herald as well. I didn't mention some of the cricket. Uh, Mark Wood is replacing Bashir in England's only change for the third test against India starting uh, in Rajkot, have I pronounced that correctly? Rajkot? Yep. Yep. That's On correct. Thursday. Yep. Let's hope it was. Uh, there's a little bit of Tottenham news as well. I did see in the papers many, many mentions across multiple states about South Australian apprentice Chelsea Reynolds. So an update on her. She remains in an induced coma at the Flinders Medical Centre in Adelaide as she receives treatment for those serious injuries sustained in a track work incident on Tuesday. And they were referenced yesterday by... Um, everyone that came on to talk racing, uh, Davo at length was talking, and I echo his sentiments from everybody um, here in our radio team and, of course, at Sky Racing. Uh, we're cheering for you, Chelsea, and we certainly hope to her family and friends yeah. that Chelsea yes. can pull through. That is terrible news. On a racing front, I also saw news that James McDonald is going to be on board Storm Boy, and that caused... Uh, a moderate stir uh, because Adam Hieronymus has been on Storm Boy. Looks the number one seed undoubtedly for the Golden Slipper at this stage. There's a Coolmore Association. Whether it be Moore, whether it be McDonald, the second their source was part owned by Coolmore, there was more than likely going to switch, be a switch. And Adam Hieronymus knows the game loss. Oh, you just took the words out of my mouth. It's the game, Benny. We've seen it happen a number of times. When you get on a good horse, you possibly may not be the rider every time it runs around. Uh, there's deals that are being done um, all the time. Uh, if you ride the horse poorly, you might be put off. Um, and it's up to the trainer. It's up to the owners on who they want to ride that horse. They're the ones paying the big dollars. Yes, it's disappointing for the jockey. And I'm sure most jockeys have had it happen to them. But I'm sure they've also been the beneficiaries of someone being taken off a horse and then being put on a horse. So I think it, it, it goes uh, just with the territory. And while it's disappointing, and he's riding great Hieronymus, anytime you can have J-Mac on your horse, I think you're in better shape. Well, we may be reading too much into it as well. It's only a trial, but you certainly, where there's smoke, there's oh, fire. Yeah, he, he'll pick up rides. Adam Hieronymus, he's riding really well. I, I think he's a very, very good rider, and he's doing some really good things for Adrian in game. Uh, but I, unfortunately, 
the, you know, the owners have, have the ultimate say and they make that decision. And it's disappointing, I'm sure, but you've got to move on. You can't be you know, too disappointed with it. You've just got to ride another horse and hopefully you find a superstar along the way. Now, he's never going to be on a hiding to nothing with Coolmore and that association. But let's not forget as well, I could be wrong here, and feel free to correct me on the text line if I am, but I believe James McDonald was one of the early riders on Stay Inside, who was a short price favourite and ultimately took out a golden slipper. But due to his association with Coolmore, he had to ride another horse in the race. So he, he almost he's almost foregone a golden slipper. So now, yes, he might get a walk-up start on a golden slipper, but it's swings still around. Ride it. You're still going to... Yeah, you know, still got to win. They're still got to perform. Still got to get there on the day. All those type of things can happen. But yeah, it's just part of the the industry. It's part of the game. It's been happening for a long, long time, and it'll continue to happen into the future. And to Adam, he's an absolute gun. As you mentioned, he yeah. knows the game. He yeah. rides for Waterhouse and Bot. They could have four hundred in the slipper this year, so they're going to have options of plenty. And I'm sure he's going to have a good ride regardless. Yep. But uh, it won't be the last good horse he's on. No doubt about that.